Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Hearing God. The voice on the other end of the phone says, Oh, I'm so sorry, Colleen. You sound just like your mother. Is she there? This happened at least once a week, if not more, during middle school and high school. Now, this is back when the house phone was the primary phone that people called. My parents did have cell phones, but they were only for emergencies while driving or running errands. So that meant that all of my mom's garden club, book club, and Bible study besties would call the house phone to coordinate all of the things. They always had such a hard time telling us apart. Being able to tell the voice of someone on the phone can be tricky, and if we don't realize who we are talking to, things can get awkward. After all, recognizing voices is harder than we sometimes think it is. Recognizing the voice of God, hearing God can be tricky too, especially because God's voice can speak to us in so many different ways. Brainstorming text for this episode was quite a lengthy and somewhat overwhelming process because all of the ways that God's voice is active and many of those ways that God's voice is active in the Bible are still ways that we encounter God's voice today. The voice of God makes its grand debut in Genesis chapter 1, the very first story of the entire Bible. God speaks creation into existence. God says, let there be, and there is. Light, sky, sea, all spoken into existence by God. Now, I don't believe that this is literally how the world was made, but I think this poem opens up my imagination to hear and see God in patterns of creation and evolution that are in the world around us. God speaks to many people in the Hebrew Testament. Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, Hagar, Rebecca, Moses, David, Nathan, and many of the prophets, the list goes on. Each of these encounters is a little bit different, and we don't always get all of the details about how each interaction happened. Sometimes all we read is, the Lord said, comma, quotation mark, insert content of what God says, with a punctuation mark at the end, the quotation mark, and the story moves on. We don't always get a sense of the full setting or the whole encounter, but God speaks a lot. In the Hebrew Testament. Then in the New Testament, there is Jesus, who is God in human form, God incarnate, and Jesus had a voice. So from when he wailed in the manger when he was first born, all the way through his final words on the cross to his mother and beloved disciples, Jesus is God's voice on earth. We have many of those words recorded in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have so many of these powerful words recorded, but of course we don't know the literal sound of his voice. We just get to read them. And of those words of Jesus that we read, there are several stories of Jesus talking to his Father in heaven. 
Jesus primarily refers to God as Father. Here at APT, we refer to God as parent and mother and father. But when we're talking about Jesus's words, Jesus uses Father. Anyhow, we have these conversations between Jesus talking to God in heaven, and it's like all very meta, God talking to God. And there are also points in scriptures where God is attributed to being the sound in nature or somehow contributing to the sounds in nature, inspiring them. We can see this in certain sections of the book of Job and also throughout the Psalms. Finally, we have to talk about music. Music and song is woven throughout the Bible in many different ways. Not the literal notes or chords that make up the music, rather the words that would have been sung along with the music, whatever it was. And oftentimes, music is instructed or presented as a way to praise God, for us to talk to God. But we also hear God in music, too. When we listen to and make music, we can have deep spiritual experiences. We can hear God in many different ways. God's voice can be in the Bible when we read it, music as we sing it, the wind blowing through the autumn leaves, the voice of someone we love, the voice of a prophet, and even the little voice in our hearts. God can be in all these places. But these sounds are not always the voice of God. God isn't always in those sounds or experiences because all of those things can be harmful sounds too. The Bible can be twisted and used for abuse. Music can be manipulative or misleading. Winds can cause devastation and destruction. Words of harm can come from those we love and prophets too. And I know how wrong and harsh my own inner voice is sometimes. Let me tell you, she's a real jerk sometimes. So how do we know if what we are hearing is really God? How can we tell if it is the voice of the holy? Unfortunately, there's not a single test that we can do. There's not an app on our phones that we can open up and have it listen to whatever's happening and tell us like, yes, that's God. No, it's not God. However, there are at least two stories in the Bible that can give us guidance and encouragement on how to make sense of sound as God. And those two stories are what we're going to read together today. They're not going to answer all of our questions about whether a voice that we're hearing or a sound that we're hearing is God or not, but they'll give us some meaningful guidance for the journey. Both of these stories come from the Hebrew Testament. The first is the story of Samuel being called in the night, as it's told in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, Samuel is the son of a woman named Hannah. Hannah struggled with infertility for many years. Then when she finally did conceive and give birth to Samuel, she ended up handing him over to the temple to a priest named Eli for Samuel to be raised there. 
You can read about this in the first two chapters of Samuel 1. So Samuel spends his childhood with Eli, and Eli is this sort of father figure to him. And Samuel also grows up with Eli's sons as his, like, pseudo-brothers. However, Eli's sons are corrupt. They are not faithful, and they take advantage of people and the sacrifices that they make. So while tradition would say that Eli's responsibilities as priest and prophet would fall to his sons, God has something else in mind. And here is what it is. I'm reading 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 18 from the Common English Bible. Now the boy Samuel was serving the Lord under Eli. The Lord's word was rare at that time and visions weren't widely known. One day, Eli, whose eyes had grown so weak he was unable to see, was lying down in his room. God's lamp hadn't gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the Lord's temple, where God's chest was. The Lord called to Samuel. I'm here, he said. Samuel hurried to Eli and said, I'm here, you called me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go lie down. So he did. Again, the Lord called Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, I'm here. You called me? I didn't call my son, Eli replied. Go lie down. Now Samuel didn't yet know the Lord, and the Lord's word hadn't yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up and went to Eli and said, I'm here. You called me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down where he'd been. Then the Lord came and stood there, calling just as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, Speak, your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of all who hear it tingle. On that day, I will bring to pass against Eli everything I have said about his household, every last bit of it. I told him that I would punish his family forever because of the wrongdoing he knew about, how his sons were cursing God, but he wouldn't stop them. Because of that, I swore about Eli's household and his family's wrongdoing and will never be reconciled by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay there until morning, then opened the doors of the Lord's house. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel, saying, Samuel, my son. I'm here, Samuel said. What did he say to you, Eli asked. Don't hide anything from me. May God deal harshly with you, and worse still, if you hide from me a single word from everything that he said to you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. He is the Lord, Eli said. He will do as he pleases. 
In this story, the voice of God comes to Samuel directly. At one point, it says that the Lord stands before Samuel. So maybe God is really there in the room. Either way, Samuel doesn't recognize this voice. He hadn't met God in this way yet. And it wasn't going to be the last time that Samuel met God, but he had no idea what was going on. He naturally assumes that the voice calling to him is Eli. Now, this could be because the voice of God maybe sounded like Eli, or maybe because Samuel just couldn't fathom who else would be calling to him in the night. The voice had to be Eli's, right? And it takes several times of Samuel going to Eli before Eli even really comes to understand what's going on until Eli wonders, is this God? So Eli tells Samuel what to say, to say, here I am, your servant, I'm listening. And Samuel does just that. And then God reveals this whole plan to Samuel about what God wants to happen. So here we learn that talking to others, including parental figures or spiritual leaders, can be a way of figuring out if the voice we are hearing is God or not. The story shows us this. Eli was a faithful person for decades of his life. He knew God well. The same way our parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, pastors, deacons, and dear friends who have also known God for perhaps many decades, can all be conversation partners for us as we try to make sense of understanding God's voice. However, what this story also shows us is that the parental figures or spiritual leaders may not always understand or recognize God's verse the first time either. Granted, Eli doesn't hear the voice that is calling out to Samuel firsthand. He's in a different room. Maybe if Eli had heard the voice directly, he would have recognized it right away as God's voice. But he doesn't. So it takes three times of Samuel coming to him before Eli recognizes that this is probably God's voice who is coming. So it might take the people in our lives, our trusted people, some time to figure out, oh, maybe this is God. So I think this is an important thing for us to remember as we have conversations about faith. If someone else isn't hearing the same thing that we are, they may not understand how God is at work in that, or they might not be able to recognize God either. I don't say this to cast shade or anything negative, just that All people are fallible, and we don't always make the right decisions or assessments when we don't have all of the information. Then there's also this part of they may not want us to understand what God is calling us to because it might put you onto a path that includes hardship or conflict or risk or a broken relationship with them. Like following you following God might have a negative effect on them or your relationship with them, which is the case for Eli from the story we read together. By Samuel following God, it meant that Eli's sons would not receive their father's position and nor could their wrongdoings be fixed with a sacrifice. 
This is a big deal. This is Eli's legacy and blood family that are going to experience great hardship. Granted, they have some culpability in this. Like some of this is consequences of their own actions. And yet, even after hearing this, Eli doesn't challenge Samuel. He doesn't deny Samuel. He doesn't accuse Samuel of lying or being manipulative. Eli says, okay, we listen to God here. As an adult who is in the middle of adult generations, I'm a millennial, and so there are several generations of adults who are older than me and at least one generation that's younger than me. I know what it's like to be both frustrated by older generations not taking me seriously and also to be challenged by younger generations to think differently too. So I think I see myself in various points, both as Eli and as Samuel here. And that may be the case for you too, regardless of your age or generation. You may have found yourself or may find yourself acting or being in the position of both Samuel or Eli in your own lives. My hope is that whichever situation we're in, that we can keep our hearts open to hear God's voice and that we can strive to be good conversation partners with others, even when it is hard. The second story I want to share about comes from the book of 1 Kings. So this happens much later in the biblical arc of time than Samuel. To kind of put this into perspective, Samuel becomes a prophet who helps establish Saul as the first king of Israel. Elijah, who is the prophet at the center of this next story, was a prophet to King Ahab. And King Ahab was the seventh king of Israel. So several generations and several kings have passed in between these two stories. Now, there are many stories about Elijah, but the snippet of his life that we are going to read about today is when Elijah falls on some hard times. Things are not going good for Elijah where we pick up his story today. He has had to run away from a group of people who believe in a different God that are threatening him with violence. The name of the other God is Baal. So Elijah runs away from these people who are threatening him into the wilderness. But y'all, there's nothing there. So like a dangerous situation for him has become more dangerous. There's not shelter. There's not water. There's not food. However, in the midst of this danger, an angel of God comes to Elijah and takes care of him. The angel gives him food, water, and even protects him while he naps. Um, are you like me wondering if this angel does 21st century house calls? Because if so, add me to the list. I digress. Anyhow, after his physical needs have been met, Elijah still struggles because he's feeling like he is lost in his life's purpose. People aren't being faithful to God. These other religious leaders are making threats and he's not sure what to do next. So he goes up onto a mountain and God meets him there. It's quite the encounter. So let's read about it. This is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 to 18. 
The Lord's word came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, Go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord. The Lord is passing by. A very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After their wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound, thin, quiet. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his coat. He went out and stood at the cave's entrance. A voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left, and they want to take my life too. The Lord said to Elijah, Go back through the desert to Damascus and anoint Hazel as king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu Nishmi's son as king of Israel. Then anoint Elisha from Abel Meloha Shabbat's son to succeed you as prophet. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But I have preserved those who will remain in Israel, totaling 7,000 all whose knees haven't bowed down to Baal and whose mouths hadn't kissed him. Elijah had been a prophet of the Lord for a long enough time to know and recognize the voice of God. So when the voice of God comes to Elijah, he's not afraid or confused. He recognizes that this is God speaking, and he responds to God's first question very easily. However, after the instruction to come out and meet God, uh, Elijah has to wait for a different sound in order to know that it's God moving past the entrance of this cave that he's hiding in. And Elijah hears all of these things and has to decide whether or not God is in those sounds. Now, I think this must have been particularly tricky because throughout time, God had been in each of the sounds that Elijah heard. As a prophet, I'm fairly certain that Elijah would have known these stories. The first sound was wind. And Elijah would have known that God's voice was in the wind that blew over the waters of creation. But Elijah didn't hear God in this wind. God had been in the sound of quaking earth and falling rock before. 
When the walls of Jericho tumbled down, it was rocks crumbling and crashing. Yet Elijah didn't hear God in this earthquake. God had been in the sound of fire before. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush that wasn't consumed by the fire that burned it. However, Elijah didn't hear God in this fire. Instead, Elijah hears God in silence, thin, quiet, sheer silence. Now, we aren't told how or why Elijah makes each decision or assessment. How does he know God isn't in those first three sounds? How does he know that it's God in that thin, quiet sound? Perhaps it was a gut feeling, or maybe goosebumps ran up his arms, or he felt a tug on his heart. His mind and body must have somehow reacted to that sound of silence and recognized God in it. The power of this story in the context of hearing God is that while God can and speak in so many different ways, it doesn't mean that God is always in those sounds. When we are having conversation with friends, family members, partners, spiritual leaders, they may say, that is God's voice. They may say, yes, God speaks through that. However, you get to be the one to decide if God is meeting you in that sound or not. Elijah knew that God could have been in the wind, the earthquake, the fire. He would have known the stories of the faithful people who came before him who encountered God in those sounds. Yet he knew that God wasn't in those sounds for him in that particular moment. So just because a certain preacher, biblical story, song, part of creation, or goodness, even a podcast, is deeply meaningful to someone that you love, that doesn't mean that it will have the same power for you. Just because God has spoken through a certain medium in the past or is even still speaking through it to someone else doesn't mean that God is speaking to you there. You are the one who gets to make that assessment. And then, right, there's also this whole piece of God may be in the sound and we might not be ready to hear it yet. You might run away. You might say no. And those reactions are real and biblical too, truth be told. Just because we hear God, that doesn't mean that we are obligated to follow that voice or be coerced into doing something about it. How we respond to hearing God is something we may discuss with our inner circle, but each of us gets to decide on our actions, on what we want to do about it. Additionally, we're allowed to change our mind. But I suppose all of that is a whole nother episode. For today, may we remember that God's voice is all around us. God speaks grace to us, forgiveness to us, an invitation to life that is full and marked with deep love for others and creation. Sometimes God's voice is loud and all-consuming. We can't avoid hearing it. It keeps us up in the night. Sometimes God's voice is still and quiet, a silence that brings peace. I hope that you hear God's voice somehow this week. 
and perhaps that you can also be God's voice of love and peace to other people in your life too. Now let's ground ourselves together in our senses and give thanks to God for all of the ways that we experience the world around us. As we move through these five senses together, if you don't experience one of them, simply take some extra deep breaths and then join back in later. What are five things that you see? What are four things that you feel? What are three things that you hear? What are two things that you smell? What is one thing that you taste? Now I invite you to repeat after me. God, I thank you for my senses. Thank you for the gift of all that I sense around me now. Help me to sense you always. Amen. Prayer for Hearing Holy God, you speak to your people in many and varied ways. But amid all of the sounds of the world, we aren't always sure when it's you. Draw us to trusted companions so that we may help one another recognize your voice. Teach us all of the ways you move and speak in the world. Grant us wisdom to know when your voice is speaking to us individually and when it's not. We give thanks for all who take care of our ears and the inventions and treatments that help us hear and understand each other, including sign language. May we always remember that whether our words are whispered, shouted, typed, written, signed, or thought, you hear them, hold them, and love us. Help us to hear and proclaim that we are loved wherever, whoever, and however we are. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone we know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. 
This week, we heard from Steve, who shared this story about seeing God. Steve writes, In March of this year, my wife and I went to Arizona to visit our daughter. As part of our trip, our daughter wanted us to see the Grand Canyon. I wanted to see our daughter, who I hadn't seen in almost a year. I told her, I want to see you and your husband. I don't give a damn about a hole in the ground that's been there for millions of years and will be there long after I'm gone. Steve continues, At any rate, the Grand Canyon is truly more than your eye can take in. The beauty is breathtaking. I'm a nature photographer, and I'm currently working on my 2023 calendar for the year, which will be based on our trip to Arizona. I took hundreds of photos. And the photos really don't do it justice. To me, you can see God's work here. Some millions of years in the making. I guess the, quote, hole in the ground would be there regardless. But God made it so beautiful for us to enjoy. I'll be sharing some of Steve's photos of the Grand Canyon on social media this week. Thank you, Steve, for sharing this story about how you have seen God in the world around us. If you have a story about how you have sensed God, how you've seen, heard, touched, tasted, or felt God, smelled God, I invite you to share it. You can email me at allplacestogether at gmail.com. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has been participating in the All Places Together's first Bible group. It has been amazing to learn about the women of Genesis with you. We've got one more session to go. So if you've missed out on joining in on this group, don't worry. I'm working on plans for more discussion groups in 2023. If you've got something in particular you want to learn about, please let me know. I also want to give a special shout out to the first two Mother Hen Media Ministries subscribers. Thank you to St. Philip Roanoke and Lutheran Church of Our Savior Richmond for trusting Mother Hen to support and empower your social media ministry. I'm so excited to be partners together and to see the impact, inspiration, and hope that you'll be able to share with your community. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and supporters like you who share regularly with APT. Your financial contributions enable this community to grow, for the podcast to happen, for Bible groups to happen, and everything in between that we do. If you've not made a gift yet and you'd like to, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says, Give Here, Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Now we know that it can be hard to give financially. So don't forget that we celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of APT with the people in your life and engage with the All Places Together community online throughout the week. As you and your loved ones prepare to travel for the holidays, I hope you'll recommend All Places Together to folks who are looking for a new podcast to listen to. I invite you to take some time to think about what your favorite episode is or what series has been the most meaningful to you and be ready to share it when someone asks you, what should I listen to next? And until next time, remember that God is with you and God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.